0: Here's a news flash surprise surprise Well, wow, look at you the whole world is watching for my next move oh my God.
1: times have changed
0: there are no rules
1: you're gonna love it hi and welcome to skip intro the podcast from binge all about the world's best television each week we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on binge along with succession and our dinner party recommendations My name is John Bohm, and I'm normally joined by Ali Herbert-Burns, but this week she is off in LA scouring Hollywood for the best new show. So we're very lucky to be joined by one of Binge's marketing experts, Melissa Ong. Hey, Mel.
0: Hi, how's it going?
1: Good, good. Longtime listeners of the pod, I'm sure, have heard me reference you many times. So it's great to finally have you on the podcast. We're going to get some dinner party recommendations out of you later and talk about the latest episode of Succession. But first, shall we head to Alabama? Let's do it.
0: We're getting ready to rush. Like, Look at all the people already starting to line up. The University of Alabama is the top sorority recruitment in all of the country. Rush consists of four highly competitive rounds. Let's be honest, I probably would not be going to Alabama if it did not blow up on TikTok. I'm nervited. Which is like nervous and excited.
1: After exploding onto the world via TikTok in 2021, the new HBO documentary Bama Rush dives into the century old tradition of sorority life and its unique recruitment process at the University of Alabama, uncovering an exclusionary world of wealth, privilege and conformity. Mel, what did you know about sororities before watching this documentary?
0: Look, I was definitely in the rush talk rabbit hole of 2021. So I'm very familiar with like the whole Greek sorority, Greek life system. But I thought this documentary was really insightful because it kind of gave a view as to the why behind joining something like this.
1: This is an Australian podcast. So we don't Grow up with greek life in our life but we see it in popular culture so the ideas of sororities and fraternities and kind of familiar with the broad concept of it but this got into the very extreme version it seems like university of alabama sort of represents the most extreme version of this but also the very dark side of it both historically um that the dark side of it and also just like the general modern weirdness of it as well so the documentary follows it's i think four young women who are heading to the University of Alabama, some of them basically with the sole intention of rushing a sorority, like that seems to be the reason they've chosen the universities and the insane ecosystem that seems to revolve around joining a sorority. One of the things that I found really sort of interesting in this was rush consultants.
0: Yes, I can't believe that's an actual profession that you can have. I guess we should probably talk about the actual process that that rush is yeah. requires a lot of pre-preparation. I think one of the women in the Docker had a folder, had like a resume in there, had some headshots. And these rush consultants essentially like coach you through the process talk to you about like what you should say, what you shouldn't say, how you should dress, how you should look to basically fit in and get into the sorority that you want to attend.
1: On the surface, it's kind of this weirdly superficial, it seems to be based on like glamour shots and how you dress and what like brand your like bag is and stuff. And then the documentary sort of starts to like scratch under the surface into the history of it, which unsurprisingly, there's like some racism in there, famously the University of Alabama only desegregated houses in 2013, which is sort of terrifying, it was sort of less than 10 years ago. But the really interesting thing for this, for me for this documentary, and I don't know if this is the right analogy with like a snake starts to eat its own tail, like there's a point in this documentary where it becomes about the documentary, effectively, it becomes about the director and becomes about the fact they're making a documentary.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting that they kind of inserted the making of the documentary into the documentary itself. So what they said was essentially while this was being filmed, they caught whispers that, you know, HBO or Netflix or someone was a streaming service was shooting a, I guess, expose on Greek life at the University of Alabama. And there was rumors that there were girls, like there were 20 girls going in with hidden microphones in bracelets or something like that. Which um, makes
1: no sense. No, <laughs> like, you're Everyone's just... carrying around a phone if you wanted to <laughs> bug anything.
0: And I think they, they crack down on it, essentially.
1: Yeah. So we won't give away everything. But uh, like one of the other sort of theme of this is this thing called the machine, which is this like not very well-defined thing, but seems to be as if there's a sort of secret society running these Greek life sort of worlds on campus and that you can kind of get pulled into this like literally underground, like in basement meetings where they decide sort of decide everything. How true any of that is, nobody seems to know. There's like a bit of like winking to camera that like, yes, it's real. And a bit of like, is it real? Is the people just kind of overblowing it? But anyway, I think it does give a very genuine and a shout out to the four main participants. These girls are really open about what they're trying to get out of the experience. There's a lot of sort of self-doubt. There's a lot of like wanting to find their community. One of the girls is adopted. One of the girls lost her father. So yeah, you're getting this like very intimate way into this process that then kind of destroys them a little bit. Like it kind of takes away their personality and some of the girls kind of end up feeling like it's not right for them. And yeah, I think for people outside of America, this will... I think, be such a foreign concept, but something you've probably heard a bit about and is a really interesting sort of new way in. And Bama Rush is streaming for you now on Binge.
0: Being in a sorority will help me figure out the person like I want to be, because I feel like I don't really know who I am, you know?
1: Mel, it's the part of the show where Ali and I usually trade dinner party recommendations, but I think the listeners of the pod could probably go a week without hearing what I'm watching on Binge. So we would love to hear what you recommend people check out on Binge.
0: Look, I've had a long hard think about what to share on the podcast today, and I've got two recommendations for you. The first one is a show that I think is currently dominating dinner party conversations right around the world. If the word Scandavol means anything to you, then you'll know that I am talking about Vanderpump rules. Full disclosure, I am a newcomer to the show and the reason why I joined is literally because I could not escape Scandavol on my social feed, so I just had to know what was going on. John, have you watched Vanderpump Rules?
1: I have like involuntarily watched a lot of Vanderpump Rules this season, again, because I just wanted to know what was going on. Partially because we saw the numbers coming in every week and every week the show just kept growing and growing. And it's like, what's happening? Why is the 10th season of a show suddenly going nuts? And like you said, you would see clips on social and someone's having an affair with someone and I've seen like someone on a whiteboard try to explain it to me but yes it seems to be a phenomenon that is yeah inescapable at the moment
0: yeah I think people are dubbing it bravo super bowl so it's a really (laughs) big deal for any reality tv lovers out there basically what I can tell you about that is that there is let me say character but a person on the show who's discovered that her partner of nine years has had a seven month affair with one of her best friends, who is another cast member on the show. So essentially it's this cheating scandal that's happening. So interestingly, the season actually wrapped last September, but because of the news of this cheating scandal that kind of came out in back in March they basically picked up the cameras again and started filming so the finale episode which just took place last week is actually the kind of aftermath of everyone finding out about the affair and everyone reacting to it the cast members are sort of intimately connected to one another they've you know they've dated or they're very good friends or you know they're exes and things like that so everyone is very much kind of tied up in this drama so basically what's left I guess in the next Next kind of couple of weeks is the reunion, which is where everyone sits down with Andy Cohen. It looks like they're going to basically deep dive into the aftermath of the affair, and it seems like it's going to be very explosive. There's so much content that it's actually going to be a three parter.
1: Is that that's right? Re- that's re- I think there's the three part reunion and then like a special thing at the end so there's still four more episodes to go
0: so they're really milking this season for all that it's worth but it is so worth it just to kind of understand and to know what's going on in the sort of pop culture zeitgeist so i would highly recommend checking out vanderpump rules
1: it's funny obviously like reality television spoiler alert is like heavily produced and you know heavily edited and all this stuff and it's always funny when something happens that clearly was not planned. And this like obviously was not planned, but it's kind of amazing that they've had to like go and shoot an extra episode, stretch out a reunion, make like a whole Secrets Revealed special because something actually so dramatic and saucy happened in the show that even though they had been filming for months, they didn't know about. It's fun when this stuff happens.
0: We love it. Great TV.
1: Great TV. Even if you don't know who any of them are, it's very easy to dive in. Excellent recommendation. What else is on your dinner plate?
0: so you know this but listeners of the pod won't know that in the office i'm kind of known as the big barry advocate and i know that we mentioned barry a couple of times on the podcast before but i felt like now would be a really great time to get on my soapbox and just shout out the barry praises the guy i was dating in la killed my acting teacher's girlfriend i think i might be in a lot of trouble
1: you're irredeemable
0: What do we do? Hank, this is your chance. It's our chance.
1: Well, it's great timing because season four, final season, is about to wrap. And And it's
0: wrapping at the same time as Succession, which is insane. I feel like it's getting lost amongst all the Succession noise, but Barry, I think, is just criminally underrated. Even though it's, you know, it's getting nominated for Emmys and lots of accolades, but I feel like it gets, unfortunately, just gets kind of lost amongst the, you know, other sort of big, buzzy HBO noise.
1: So why do we need to watch Barry, Mel?
0: Well, you mentioned last week about Mr. in Between and how popular that's becoming again and sort of having a renaissance, so to speak. And I think this is like the perfect show that sort of fills the void if you've watched all of Mr. in Between and you're trying to find what's next. It's the, the storyline is essentially quite similar. It's about a hitman who was trying to escape, you know, his life and start anew. And he wants to pursue acting of all things. I think if you love shows about anti-heroes, so things like Dexter, The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, you'll really love this. It's got a really great balance of, you know, humor and comedy. It also kind of is quite dark. I think a lot of the reviews around this season is that it gets very dark and a little bit surreal, but I think it kind of needs to get into that place. The episodes are so bingeable. They're 30 minutes, four seasons, like you said. It's wrapping up next week which is really sad hopefully there'll be a really good resolution or ending for Barry um Bill Hader is spectacular in it there's all these other amazing actors who support and Bill is very involved in the production and and the creation of, of Barry
1: and uh, HBO MVP Stephen Root who's just in like every HBO show at the moment including Everything. Succession and Barry and on Mars and
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm seeing Henry Winkler like everywhere as well yeah all of a sudden
1: well, May 29th will be a big day for not only Succession finale, but Barry finale as well. I'm trying to change it. Everything okay, mi amor? Yeah. Everything's going to be great. Well, speaking of Succession, we've both just watched season four, episode nine. Should we chat about it? Let's do it. My boy Squiggle cooked up this beat for me. Just called me Soy Boy. You lack killer instinct. You're wet. You're green. You're intellectually insecure. I'm proud of my family. Your principles. Ah! My big question for (laughs) what, having now watched this episode, is it possible that Roman had not pre-grieved, like he he had told everybody he had?
0: I don't think he pre-grieved enough. I think he really thought he was past that but I think you also have to remember that the show is basically every episode is one day so how long ago was did we have that episode where Logan actually dies is it like
1: yeah. episode three and we're now at episode nine so we're like maybe a week after a week. the death yeah
0: and a lot has happened a, since, they've,
1: they've gone yeah. to Norway They've yeah they've rigged, an, they've rigged an election yeah so this episode effectively takes place largely at the funeral of Logan Roy in front of a very large crowd, which just even from like a technical production perspective, I thought was really impressive how much happened in the church. It's kind of taking place on the backdrop of obviously the election, which happened the night before or one or two two nights before the potentially sort of rigged election that Tom and Greg very proudly rigged for Logan and Roman's favourite candidate. And we sort of, this is like a bat, really bad analogy, you know the last episode of Seinfeld where they like bring back everybody? Yeah. And <laughs> And like, they all get to have their piece. I kind of got like flashes of that in this just because in this like a church of like 500 people or something. It's like they brought back every single character who was ever in succession. So it's kind of amazing to see how many people are there. But I also really like that they do. And obviously, this is the second last episode ever. They do give a lot of sort of smaller or secondary characters. What i assume will maybe be their last moments on the show which i thought was nice so rather we kind of kendall's ex we, we get a moment with her kerry i, I um, love poor that sweet bit. poor sweet kerry <laughs> who had an affair with logan just before he died gets to have this great moment with sort of the other women in, in logan's life including his wife and sort of other mistresses i guess and that's kind of actually a sweet Kind of a sweet moment that they kind of put it all behind them. Colin, Logan's bodyguard, sort of gets a moment with Kendall. And Hugo also kind of gets a, you kind of get an idea of where he's maybe heading in it all. But outside of those little side moments, this is another like very sibling heavy episode where they basically all attempt to varying degrees of success to eulogize their father. Starting off with Roman who finally, after, you know, four seasons of being a sort of smart-ass, finally succumbs to some emotion.
0: I think it was like actually very smart y at the start, like especially in that scene in the car with the siblings. Yeah. And and Shiv reveals to them like very nonchalantly, yeah, I'm pregnant. And he kind of goes off on this like sort of basically sort of digs into her and says some very not not, some
1: some, u- some usual Roman comments. Roman
0: <laughs> Roman quips. Yeah. The opening scene where he's talking to himself in the mirror and he's very confident and you think he's got it, like he's yeah. he's going to get up of there. Kind of just going
1: like blah blah blah, great man, blah blah blah. Like he's like yeah, he's just rattling he, off the speech.
0: He's talking himself up and he, I think he really wants to feel like he's stepping into his dad's quote unquote big big shoes. But then, gosh, when he gets up there and he just breaks down, like, that is just so so heartbreaking to watch. And the the bit where he kind of points to the casket and and he's like, is he in there? Oh, my gosh, that bit was just so hard to watch. It's so heartbreaking. But, you know, amazing performance from Kieran, this episode especially.
1: Yeah, I think, like, one of the, like, themes of the show, I guess, is that this wealth really protects all of the family from having real life interactions or real life moments because everything's so protected and planned and controlled for them. They have their wedding, but it's at a beautiful castle or they're doing a business deal, but it's on a mountain in Norway sort of thing. And, you know, they get their private jets and their chauffeurs and everything. And in this, it felt like, at least for Roman especially, he had this very public moment of being out of control. Like he couldn't control his emotions. And yeah, like you said, it is a really, really powerful performance from him and all the siblings who then have to sort of rally to give this speech. And the thing that I guess through Roman, which we haven't mentioned, is that Logan's brother, played by James Cromwell, gives this impromptu eulogy, which sort of derails the whole funeral. You know, I think the plan was Roman would get up and give his pre-prepared comments and that would be it. And instead, James Cromwell gets up, Gramps, cousin Greg's father, is that... Have I done the family tree right?
0: I think it's Cousin Greg's grandfather.
1: Yes, who's Logan's brother. Yeah. Yeah. He gets up and I think they try to stop him from getting up because they don't know what he's going to say. And he gives like a very passionate and... Honest, I think. Honest eulogy, which totally changes the tone and vibe of the funeral and then sort of means that Roman then can't get up and give the speech he meant he wanted to so Roman was completely derailed by the fact that someone went up and kind of said all the honest stuff that everyone was probably thinking but yeah it just means it sort of ruined the sort of shiny veneer that they thought the funeral was going to have I did think that one thing that Logan's brother said which was like a, just a glimpse of like Logan's humanity was talking about his childhood, talking about being like traveling, you know, across the Atlantic and not being able to make a noise for four days. Cause they thought the ship would be attacked. And then the story about his sister that you actually got these glimpses of like, Oh, like Logan was a scared little kid and he had these moments and maybe that's why he is the way he is. But then it's, you, you hear that and you're like, well, that's nice, but still th- doesn't mean you had to turn into the monster you, you became.
0: I think the hardest thing that everyone had to grapple with, I think especially the siblings, had to grapple with in this episode was like, who was their father and sort of separating, you know, Logan from the the man and kind of all his trials and tribulations growing up as a person. And then also who he, what everyone thinks he is in in the media. I thought there was that really interesting comment from Shiv where she asks how bad was dad? And they said, what you saw was what you got. But then she walked away from the conversation and they sort of gave each other a look that sort of said anything. Yeah. (laughs) Anything but. Yeah. So I think yeah, they really grapple with, like, who their father was. And obviously they love him because he's their dad, but then they have all these, there's all these expectations of who he wanted them to be, especially I think Kendall really, you know, stepped up and ended up delivering this sort of gravitas eulogy that sort of reminded me of, you know, the Living Plus speech where he sort of took command and really sort of owned the room.
1: And I think the way these things can go with someone who's like as, Powerful and polarizing as someone like Logan Roy is it's actually pretty easy to give a speech where you just talk about their accomplishments, where you just go, oh, he launched satellites and laid fiber and launched TV networks and stuff like that's actually a pretty easy thing to say about a person, but it doesn't talk about their character or how they were as a father or how they were to work for. And I think that's kind of what everyone was hoping the funeral would be, but then it completely got derailed. I think, what does Kendall say? Like yeah, he said Logan was the lifeblood of a wonderful civilization. And it's like, sure. Like, but that's also so vague and broad that like it didn't say how he was as a father or a son or a brother or anything. But then, as you said, we get to the $5 million mausoleum when <laughs> I thought it was like just classic succession that like the mausoleum was like bought by they bought it like second hand off like a failed like e-toy website, like pets website or something like yeah, just like classic billionaire.
0: One of my favourite things about Succession, which is really funny to say, is when all the kids are like together and they had a really nice moment, like bonding over the loss of their dad when they're sort of in the mausoleum. And like, I wouldn't say no to a bunk bed. Like yeah. just, it's just a really But it's, nice- also,
1: it's also like so dark that like you're standing in your dead father's mausoleum and it's like, oh, maybe if I get buried next to him, I'll finally get to know him. It's so dark and it's so cutting that- they can only now just joke about trying to get to know their father. But I also thought Shiv's interactions with her mother was also very revealing. She doesn't even have to tell her mom that she's pregnant and they both can have this, like, weirdly wordless communication about it and it's just, like, none, none of these people know how to, like, give or receive love, I think, no. is, is the other big macro theme of this show.
0: And don't forget that I think it was the last season that, her mum said that, you know, you're not mother material. Yeah. Which I think was a real like kick to the gut. And, you know, Tom sort of effectively said the same thing in that balcony argument scene.
1: So after the memorial, they head to this wake where basically everyone is just like, Trying to get as much time with the president elect as possible, and then did it. Kind it of, the, did it not the, feel
0: like a bachelor episode oh. where they're all like standing at the cocktail yeah, party like, and they're like trying to skill Can I have a second? away? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a rose ceremony.
1: Oh. And, and that kind of just like went straight back into classic succession because it, you know we just started talking about Gojo again. We started talking about like if the deal's going to go through, Shivs basically planted in Matson's mind that if you appoint it an American CEO to this new company, maybe then everything will be okay. I personally hope that like presidents aren't spending their time talking about this kind of stuff with people, but who knows? They probably are. It looks like, at least, that Mencken, the, the new president, might have been wooed by Matson. maybe? Matson seems to have implied that like maybe he has like lots of data on him or something, and that maybe let's just let this deal go through and let she be the CEO, but... Yeah, I, somehow we've still got one more episode. So.
0: I just don't know how they're going to wrap all of these loose ends up. Like, no. I know next episode, the last episode is like a movie length episode. So, you know, hopefully we'll get a lot of a, a resolution for a lot of these characters. But I honestly have no idea what's yeah. going to happen and and how it's going to end. I thought I did. I was rooting for Shiv, but I'm not. I'm not sure anymore. The more I think about it, the more I think that Kendall might come out on top.
1: You can see Kendall's like brain starting to stick over at the end of this episode. I did think so. The episode ends with Roman sort of walking out into the streets and like semi getting trampled by some of this protest that's happening. And it's a really beautiful scene and it's really well done. And it's very cinematic. But that like that almost could have been the end of the show for me. Like it there was something Ooh. sort of something beautiful, beautiful slash like terrifying about. Roman being pushed around and completely out of his comfort zone and just sort of like wandering off into the dark of this US Republic in decline, thanks to this terrible family. But thankfully, we've got one more episode. And like you said, we've got 90-ish more minutes, we think, to see to see where it goes. But yeah, similar to you, every episode, I kind of think you have an idea of where it's going or how you want it to end. And I just feel like nothing that we think is going to happen will happen. I think we're just going to be completely surprised by how it ends. Or, you know, Greg, Greg somehow takes over Gojo and...
0: I don't... Uh, you know, that's totally not out of the question. I think even Tom might uh, have a chance still. Yeah. He was trying to get Greg to get in Mencken's ear at the yeah. uh, at the wake.
1: And there is something nice about, like, Not-A-Roy sort of succeeding. Like, there's probably sort of a tragic beauty to all the roys failing to live up to their father and sort of mattson and tom or something somehow just running waystar but
0: i'm still rooting for frank and Carl oh the, and... yeah
1: the old god the old god yeah. yeah jerry yeah yes yeah. jerry, yeah. jerry should like she's been through enough she should she should win at the end of all what are... so one more episode mel one
0: more one episode
1: more, one more monday to... i don't know if
0: i'm ready the <laughs> last ever succession episode we will ever watch
1: are you, are you gonna watch? Are you gonna watch Barry first. You're gonna watch Succession first. I've I'm got
0: like to right? watch Succession, and I think I'm gonna have to turn off all my social media, turn yeah. off my phone. I Just... do not want to know. I can't have a spoiler for this one. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the final episode of Succession will land on binge at 11 a.m. next Monday, May 29th. So yeah, flip on airplane mode, press play, and come back to skip intro to hear us talk about how it all ends. This week on Skip Intro, we talked about Bamo Rush, we recapped the latest episode of Succession, and Mel recommended that you check out Vanderpump, Rules, and Barry. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which you can find on your favorite device. I'm John Bohm, joined this week by Mel Ong. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next episode with more Skip Intro.